G'day guys. Now before we dive into today's show, I have a huge announcement to make. Now as you all know, I've been working on my brand new book called Investing in the US, The Ultimate Guide to US Real Estate. And I am super pumped to announce that it is now live on my website. It is live on Amazon. So please jump over to readgoosens.com forward slash books and grab a copy today. All proceeds from the sale of this book goes to charity. So remember to jump over to read goosens.com forward slash books and get your hands on one today. Now back into the show. The 1031 exchange, you're allowed to take investment property and trade it to like kind investment property within a short period of time. Uh, 45 days typically to identify and then 180 days to close. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S. podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the U.S., how they've created financial freedom, massive amounts of cash flow, and ultimately create extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug, but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Brett Swartz. Brett is the CEO of Capital Gains Tax Solutions, and every year he helps hundreds of their high net worth clients to solve capital gains tax deferral limitations. His experience includes numerous deferred sales trusts, Delaware statute trust, 1031 exchanges, and over $85 million in closed commercial real estate brokerage transactions. He's also an active real estate broker an investor in, in, with experience in multifamily, senior housing, retail, medical office, and mixed use properties. To top it all off, he is a licensed California broker. So I'm really pumped and excited to have him on the show. But enough of me, let's get him out of here. G'day, Brett. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate? I'm doing well, Reed. Thank you so much to be uh, a guest on your show. I really appreciate it. Hey man, my pleasure. I uh, was we was talking a little bit in the green room before we press record here, and uh, you've got some pretty interesting things and tricks up your sleeve for those people who are interested in the the, the world of ten thirty ones. And 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 we'll get into that. And I'll talk a little bit about my experience coming from Australia, where we don't actually have ten thirty ones exchanges in in Aussie. And I, I think the the US is uh, one of the 
only Western countries that has this ability. But before we do, um, can you rewind the clock and tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid? Yeah, so I grew up in the Bay Area, Mission San Jose, Fremont area, and uh, kind of learned the, uh, the real estate business, construction business from my father, who was a, a contractor, general contractor. He could build a house from the ground up. And so in the Mission Hills there, he would, um, <clears throat> he would hire us. And basically for the summer, that was our job. Now, he, he'd pay us a small amount, but uh, we would uh, move bricks. He would hammer nails. My brother was old enough to drive the Bobcat. And I would just watch him uh, him drive that. I was two years younger than him. And so that was my, I'd say my first, first dollar. My second dollar, I would say on the first uh, kind of official job was at Costco. I, I worked there for um, my first summer back from, from college and I was able to, uh, to work hard and, and, and learn, um, you know, learn the value of uh, every, every day working, right? Or somewhere new. Right, that's awesome, man. So you came through the tools and uh, cruising around on the Bobcat. Any forklift action going on in there? Yeah, so it has a lot of different uh, uh, connections there. So yeah, it would be all of the above, Dif different, different lifts and different, uh, different connections there. Clearly you had your ticket, right? <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> yeah, I did the best we could. <laughs> Mate, but tell me a little bit more about you know, the journey to where you have got to today, you know, coming through college and then getting into really real estate investing, but also being a tax consultant at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my journey is one of, you know, learning real estate by, by construction and, 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 you know, hammering nails and working hard and long days to going to college and studying business and moving um, into an internship at a company called Marcus and Millichap, where I learned investment commercial real estate um, while I was still in college and was able to go through their training, get licensed, and I spent my first five years of my career with, with Marcus and Millichap I'm helping people buy and sell commercial real estate, which is where we learned about the 1031 exchange, I like to say on about day three, <laughs> and it became our conversation of about every, uh, every deal we looked at. That's awesome. And I, I know that, you know, uh, in today's world, I know as us, um, as myself, you know, when we bid, when my business partner and I bid on deals, you seem to always get beaten out by that one one Yahoo from California who's uh, coming in with the 1031 exchange money, just overpaying. He just doesn't care. He doesn't want to pay the taxes. You got it. California is famous for that, right? Because they have highly appreciated assets and a lot of folks who've owned for, for, for a number of years and done multiple 1031 exchanges. And so they, when they go out of state, you know, and they see some of these cap rates that are a little bit higher, they can be um, excited and, and, and sometimes, uh, you know, outbid maybe some of the, uh, the local investors of different states. That's awesome. Mate, before we dive into the nuts and bolts of today's show, one question I always like to get from my guests is, uh, what makes you tick? Yeah, you know, um, I would say it first starts with my faith. You know, I, I'm a Christian and, and growing up, um, you know, I had my, my, uh, my mom was a believer. My dad wasn't. But my dad taught me a lot of good things about hard work and, and real estate and being an entrepreneur. And um, I went away to college and played, played hoops on, at, a, at, a, at a private Christian school as well. So I'd also say that that makes me tick as well. Um, I'm, I'm a big, big basketball um, um, fan, but, but player and, and, and played on scholarship, which was a lot of fun. Want to coach someday. Love being able to um, be on a team, work together with people, and and solve solve challenges. So, uh, it's always been uh, I would say competition, sports, and my faith 
And then my family now too. My family is my big why. My wife, we, we have uh, five kids Whoa. Yeah, here, here in Sacramento. Yeah, so we um, married almost 10 years now coming up and our oldest will be is eight and a half. And then we have a, our youngest is, is uh, nine months old now. So we, we stay very, very uh, busy. And I like to say my clients stay motivated because I got a lot of weddings and some uh, <laughs> colleges to pay for. Yeah, I can imagine that. You've gone from... Uh... What I guess my what is they they talk about being a toddlers and sort of out of the nappies back into nappies again, right? Yeah, you can say that. We're we're still trying to figure it all out with these <laughs> all these close in ages. You know, we're taking any tips we can get. So but I'm sure, I'm sure that everyone's I'm sure everyone's pitching in to to help the little ones out, right? Yeah, we're very fortunate. We have family nearby who helps a lot, and uh, you know, it does take a village to help raise kids. And the more help and support you have, um, if we didn't have that, it'd be tough to have probably more than two given right. our schedules and what's happening in um, our, our lives. So awesome. Awesome. And well, look, the whole reason we've got you on today's show is to talk a little bit about 1031 exchanges. Um, I guess where we could start, to start off with is maybe you want to define for those listeners who may not understand purely what a 1031 exchange is. Absolutely. So first of all, my company is called capital gains tax solutions. And we like to say solutions plural because we really want to provide the client with options and figure out, um, or help them figure out what might be the best option for them. And so the first option that most of your listeners probably know of is the 1031 exchange. You're allowed to take investment property and trade it to like kind investment property within a short period of time. Uh, 45 days typically to identify and then 180 days to close. Now the key components of this is equal or greater value. So let's say you sold a building for 5 million and you need to buy something at least 5 million or greater. Let's say you had a couple million in debt um, you're going to need to have debt on that next property as well. Um, so as long as you can find a deal and it makes sense, uh, 1031s are great. You know, we we really uh, we help clients do those too as well. Being a commercial broker here in California, it's just harder to do it these days with the prices the way they're at. Right, right. Now, a 1031 exchange is also very interesting that it is it's a tax deferment. Um, and you can keep rolling it over. And come, when I first moved to the United States to learn about 1031 exchanges and to teach other international investors about the benefits of doing that, everyone, particularly back from Australia and even in Europe, which other Western countries, they just don't have that. And it's quite unique to the US and what makes growing wealth and long-term wealth really quite you know, an awesome opportunity to come here and buy real estate. So as we spoke about earlier, you know, there's California crazy people coming over and to Texas or in the Midwest and overpaying, but, but the fact is they can just keep rolling the profits over and in 10 years' time, they'll do the same thing. So so really, really interesting. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about the Deferred Sales Trust and what that is and how that differs from a 1031 exchange. Yeah, so a Deferred Sales Trust is a manufactured installment sale. Uh, the best way to understand the beginning of the structure is understanding IRSC 453, which is just seller carry back law. And a little bit about my story, doing a lot of these 1031 exchanges, I would hear conversations with clients constantly about, hey, I'd love to do a 1031, but I want my property lined up. Or I'd love to do a 1031, but I don't want to have to overpay for a property. Or, or oh no, I ran out of time, or my identification uh, period is over. And now I'm trapped to buy something that I don't necessarily want to buy was my second or third choice. And so with all, all these conversations over the years, um, we actually had um, a gentleman come in who runs the estate planning team, who's now my business partner. And he, he came into Marcus and Milichap and he spoke on the strategy called a deferred sales trust. And so at the heart of it, it's just an installment sale. 
where if I came to Reed and say, hey, Reed, I want to buy your $10 million property, would you carry back a note? And in a traditional installment sale, you, you could say, sure. And let's say I gave you $2 million down, you carry a note for eight. In that scenario, you've received what's called $2 million in actual receipt. And you're going to owe tax on that money that you've received. But on that carry back, you become the lender. It's $8 million. You're in a, what's called a deferral state. So that is a traditional seller carryback. Most people know about that. We just, we, we, have to sell, we have to say the deferred sales trust is the manufactured installment sale and that instead of selling it to, uh, to me redirectly, we're going to have this trust come in right before close of escrow, right before the buyer pays the 10 million. And actually you're going to, uh, if you decide to use the deferred sales trust, you'll sell it to the trust for 10 million in exchange for a zero down payment note. Hmm and immediately turn around and sell it to that buyer who was already lined up. So in that scenario, the trust bought it for 10 million read and sold it for 10 million. So if you buy and sell for the same price, your tax liability in that given year is zero. Interesting. And that carry back note that you received, you're in a tax deferral, is 10 million that's owed to you. Now the buyer takes title the same way he would have. So he's free and clear. He's, he's, he's the same way he would have if you would have did a 1031 exchange. And the money is sitting in a, a, uh, a bank, Bank of New York Mellon, Charles Schwab, TD Ameritrade, um, and a professional financial advisor can manage the money. So I'll pause there because I know I just said a lot and you might be having a few questions there. You know, I think, so just to summarize for those listeners out there, because I'll break it down. So you essentially set up a seller and buyer to A and B, and then in between is a trust. And that trust... It, it, in, and I'm going to very dumb it down, short sale it between the two. You know, they'll, they'll close it and within 30 seconds they turn around and, and sell it to the, to, the, to the buyer. Is that kind of in a summary how it That's works? That's kind of in the summary. And also understand how a 1031 works too, right? And another deal, Reed, you may say, hey, Mr. S Mr. Buyer, I don't want all that $10 million. Send it to escrow and let escrow send it to a QI company. And hmm. that qualified intermediary is what helps Reed maintain non-constructive or actual receipt of that 10 million, right? Because it's not going to your personal bank account. Right. You don't set up a 1031 QI before close of escrow or escrow makes a mistake and actually sends you the money, then, then you've received it, okay? And therefore the tax is, is, is due. But if you do a 1031 exchange to a QI and then you buy a property, it's still in a deferral state. Right. So in one sense, that's the same way we maintain non-constructive receipt is that the trust is actually, you know, it's holding the money right? And, it, and it's in a deferral state. It just happens to be not necessarily invested in commercial real estate, although it can be at any time you can direct it to commercial real estate. We can talk about that more in a, in a minute. But the point is, it's, uh, you haven't received actual receipt of the money. Right. So then how is that all legal, I guess? <laughs> yeah. Great question, right? The first question I asked, honestly, how is this how does not everyone not know about this? It sounds too good to be true. How do we know right. it's legal, right? And really the first time we heard about this 10 years ago at Marcus and Milchap in Sacramento, I sort of just poked, poked the strategy for a few years. I just poked the strategy. I asked questions. I learned a little bit more. I went on to get my series 22 and 63 licenses and did, did some Delaware statutory trust. And, uh, but slowly I started giving, you know, uh, referring clients uh, to the strategy. But even, let's back up even before that. The IRS tax code is called IRC 453. 1031 is IRC 1031. These are two separate tax codes. Both tax codes allow for tax deferral, 
okay? Um, the 1031 really didn't become popular until about the 80s, right? When the Starker Exchange changed some things and then it came really popular in the 90s. Um, and now everyone knows the 1031 exchange. Now the installment sale goes back to the 1920s and most people know installment sale. But again, most people won't do a traditional installment sale because it only delays the payment typically for three to five years. Then the buyer will refinance, add some value, and then you're stuck the same way you were before, except you can't do a 1031 at that point. So in most circumstances, people will opt out of doing a seller carryback and they'll just opt to a 1031 exchange. We like to say that the deferred sales trust is kind of a hybrid between the two and it solves some of those things. But back to why, you know, it's, it, the legal part, it's 1920s tax law. And the next question you should ask if anyone ever brings you a new tax strategy is, how long have you guys been doing this strategy, right? Are you asking me to do something new and you're gonna test it out me? And the answer is no, we've been doing it for over 23 years. And who's we? Well, the estate planning team, it's about 1,100 professionals across the US. That includes tax attorneys, CPAs, national law firms, QI companies, escrow companies, financial advisors. And we've had this reviewed by some of the top legal minds across the US. The next question you should ask is, well, how many times have you been audited by the IRS? Or, or, and, or is, it, is it court tested? <laughs> yeah, or is it court tested, right? And so the answer is 14 times. There's been 14 audits. In fact, 13 of them were random audits, of which the largest deal was over $100 million, and that was an audit. Those were all no-change audits, not one single issue. The 14th audit was kind of a formal review. It wasn't a particular deal, but it was more a review of the entire structure, the tax attorney, uh, the founder of the estate planning team and talking with clients, kind of a general review. And the same thing, not one single issue. That was back in 2008. And so we've been, we've been tested and tried by the IRS, but really what they say is just an installment sale. And you guys are just being creative on how you're applying the, the strategy, but you're not doing anything that's outside of, of, of the traditional tax law. Um, the next question people often ask is, well, how do, how do I know my funds are protected? How do I know this trustee? That's my role, by the way, in this transaction is education, but also being a third-party trustee. Part of this transaction, you have to maintain non-constructive receipt, right? Mm -hmm. And, and it also needs to be arm's length, meaning it can't be Reed's sister, brother, cousin, who's being the trustee. It has to be a third-party trustee who's in it for business purpose who can make a profit. So there's certain tests that the IRS will ask of every kind of transaction. As long as you hit those tests and you pass those tests, you'll do fine. Um, and that's what we've been able to do for 23 years. There's been over 2,000 trust clothes. I mean, and you name it, self-storage facilities, apartment complexes, high-end primary homes, businesses, dentists, veterinarians, basically about anything you can think of, we've, we've uh, the, the Deferred Sales Trust has, has helped to defer the taxes. Um, so that's a lot there too. So I'm gonna pause again. Yeah, 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 there's a lot there. So just rewinding so in terms of it's stated in the tax code it is a special way of closing on a deferment through uh, the uh, the trust taking note is that correct i've summarized that in to, of the money or the property to then sell it on to the third party buyer correct yes and then so how i noticed in uh, your show notes how does uh, someone would benefit if I had a you know just a single family house that I've been living in and I want to roll it into commercial real estate? Great question. This is one of the ones we're most excited about because you may or may not know, but there's a 121 exclusion where if you've lived in a house two of the last five years and you're single, you have $250,000 exempt from your gain. If wow. you're married, it's 500,000. So let's just say you bought a house 20 years ago for 500,000. 
you could sell it today for a million. If you're married, you walk away tax-free. It's one of the, one of the better um, tax uh, incentives to own primary homes. However, anything be above and beyond that is what's considered uh, capital gains tax, right? So if you're in California, for example, you're looking at state of 20%, uh, California, uh, I'm sorry, federal of 20%, state of 13.3, and, the, and then the Medicare tax, you're looking at three, uh, about another 3.8. It's about 37%, okay? So anything above and beyond that would be wiped out at 37%. So enter the Deferred Sales Trust. Because it's an installment sale, it's not a 1031 exchange, we can do an installment sale for, for uh, that transaction. Whereas a 1031 exchange does not work for your primary home. It only works for investment property. So I'll give you an example. The Deferred Sales Trust helped a couple in Southern California defer uh, over $6 million in capital gains tax uh, on the sale of their $20 plus million home. You see, they were getting a divorce, they needed to sell, and they had really no choice but to pay this tax except for the deferred sales trust. So, so th there's six million reasons for them to be happy, but more than that, they can retire earlier, they can give more, which is at the heart of what we're about. You know, we feel that once you pay the tax, it's gone forever, and both sides of the aisle will waste it away pretty quickly, but if you can keep it in our families, in our communities, and the ability to give more, um, we really love that. Which, by the way, our notes go for 10 years. At the end of 10 years, they can renew for 10 years. Interesting. They renew for another 10 years, and they can pass it on to their kids too, which is the, which is really, really nice uh, part of, 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 of the deal. So um, how do you get a lender involved? Like, Talk to me like about you know ABC Smith Street Bank, uh, local commercial bank who wants to lend on that $10 million. How do they, how do they, when do they come into the picture? Yeah, so they wouldn't loan on the, on the money per se, but you can direct the funds to a commercial real estate deal and then, uh, and then use the, uh, the income that the trust is producing to help you obtain a loan. So let's walk through that. Mm -hmm. So you closed on the deal, there's $10 million sitting in the trust, and you've invested it in the meantime in stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, a conservative portfolio with a with, uh, financial advisor, Okay, and then you find a deal, Read uh, two years from now, let's just say, the market shifts by 10%. The deal that you, that you had, uh, it was 10 million, now it's $9 million. So you're like, great, I've been wanting to buy this deal at a realistic cap rate for a while. I'm glad I waited and didn't 1031 into this $10 million deal. You can direct up to $8 million from the Deferred Sales Trust and partner with your trust to purchase that property. Hmm. Okay. So Reed forms an LLC, Reed's the managing member of the LLC. Reed says, you know what, I found a deal, great. It looks like a good, nice deal. Let's direct the funds to the LLC. Now the funds are sitting there, all tax deferred. Now Reed's a 90% owner, the trust is a 10% owner. Yep. Even though the trust may have put up 100% of the down payment. Interesting. You get a loan on that deal, right? And you buy that property the same way you would have, um, except you're partnering with the trust is the only difference there. You sell the deal, what happens? Well, it's a 90-10 split on the profits. Now there's a preferred return that's gonna pay back to the trust based upon the note. Most of our notes are set up at 8%. Okay, and after fees, they pay about 6.5%. But it's your money, right? Once it goes back into the trust, then, that, then, it, then it, can fund, it can fund you. But the key is we're not doing a 1031 exchange, right? We're doing a deferred sales trust. Therefore, we don't have to identify within, within 45 days. We don't have to close within 180 days. It's sort of like a SEP IRA where you have a custodian who's yep. directing funds based upon investments. So as long as it's an investment property, 
we can direct the funds in and out of the trust. Interesting. No, well, so that's, and, and just to walk through that again, is that, so even in the scenario, in the event where someone sells their asset and they have a bunch of money, you could turn around and essentially identify asset number two within a week, right? And yeah. go to a bank and say, hey, um, I want to get leverage. This, this, this trust is providing all the equity. It's going to be 90, 10. I'm going to be the owner, blah, blah, blah. And off you go, correct? Correct, exactly. Just like a silent partner, right? Right. You're yep. a silent partner who's, who's, who's a 10% owner with the preferred return, but they're putting up 100% of the, of the, of the, of the down payment. If you want. like any syndication. <laughs> any syndication too, right? So you can also diversify. A 1031, you're typically trading from one property to one other property. Yep. And it's one location to another location. It's one asset type to maybe one asset type. But they talked about the, 8 million to the 10 million, you can do eight different syndications right? With 1 million to this syndication and eight others in different states and different product types. That's part of my passion is, is helping people get cash flow and passive in what they're doing. And part of that is diversifying different product types. So senior housing, conventional multifamily, mixed use, a medical office. You know, I think it's good to be diversified within different product types and also different syndication groups. As long as you, uh, you believe in the real estate and you trust the sponsor, they have a track record versus just doing it all on your own on one deal, right? Where right. all the liabilities on you. So it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice, flexible solution for clients who are looking for more than just the 1031. Yeah, and you bring up a very good point because I'm in the business of syndication. I am an operator myself. So as an operator, can I accept these uh, DTA, DSTs? I Correct, say. exactly. So as a commercial real estate syndicator, you're, you're, you're trying to uh, add value to your partners, right, on deals, and you're trying to attract new capital. And so we have found our best strategic partners who are commercial real estate syndicators use this as their number one tool to help everybody out. So if I'm, for example, we're doing a deal right now in Palo Alto, a gentleman selling his $14 million home, he bought it for 6 million. Part of what he wants to do is invest into commercial real estate deals, right? Well, he's stuck in his primary home, all the capital is there. Well, now he can move to the deferred sales trust, defer all the tax, and then he can direct it immediately to like a, a, a REIT deal, right? Up to 80% of the funds, all tax deferred, and start receiving that cash flow from that deal. So you're not only attracting people who are in commercial real estate deals, and as you probably know as a syndicator, you probably don't set up your deals where someone can 1031 into it because it's very complicated. It is. Most syndicators, they just attract new money, non-1031 money, and then what do they do? They add value, and then they pay out each individual um, their own, and they pay their own tax, and they go on to the next one. The beauty about the deferred sales trust is they can actually sever a partnership deal, and it can also defer taxes on the sale of carried interest. So you may have some carried interest in your deal read, right? And so that's taxable as capital gains tax if it's a year or greater. I think most of the time, actually, it always is. But yep. for your portion, you can do your own individual deferred sales trust, and you can still have everyone else pay their tax. That's no problem. But let's just say a couple of them actually want to do a deferred sales trust. They could, and the other, the other couple could just pay their tax. So it's customizable, and it breaks up the partnership. But on the back end, they're happier, right, because they have a greater return. And then they also have more money to invest with you for the next deal. So it, it helps you to raise funds and then keep more funds for the next deal. That's really interesting. And I'm very surprised after all the years of going to real estate seminars, I've never heard of this. <laughs> and I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Is it, is it been a... Uh, the best kept secrets since sliced bread? I think so. And this is where I started my business. Now, I, people have been out there talking about the deferred sales trust for a while. But what I've tried to focus on is education and equipping my clients and strategic partners with understanding it versus selling it. And then just saying, how does the tool help you to grow your business right. and what you're trying to do? 
And then also just being in so many deals myself, I've, I've had a chance to just see all of the challenges, you know, with the 1031. And we did, we did a deal last year, it was 15 units. A gentleman sold his mobile home park. He owed 600,000 in capital gains tax. And we literally closed, closed on day 180. I was representing both sides and it was a very stressful situation. And the good news is we had a backup plan just in case it failed in the deferred sales trust, which is also what it is. If, it's, if, a, if a 1031 fails, day 46 or day 21, we can save it. So once you understand the structure, you understand the track record, you understand that it's been tested by the IRS, you have the tool. And so our goal is just to educate everybody. There's a 1031, there's a Delaware, there's TICs, there's charitable remainder trust. There's also deferred sales trust. We like to call it the screwdriver versus the hammer. The hammer is like the 1031. Everyone knows it. It's, it's tried and true. But the deferred sales trust is just as good. It's just a little bit different. And if you actually think about it from the IRS's perspective, okay, and this is one of the downsides of the deferred sales trust, the IRS actually, if they had to choose one or the other, we suspect they would choose the deferred sales trust. And here's why. One of the downsides of the deferred sales trust is it gives up the stepped up basis. And the 1031 exchange you maintain your basis, okay? So let's say Reed owns a property, he exchange exchanges all his life, he passes away, his heirs can get a stepped up basis, meaning they can sell at that new, new stepped up basis and walk away tax-free, okay? No capital gains tax. Now the deferred sales trust, on the other hand, we don't do that. We're actually exiting the real estate, and so the trust can pass to kids, and kids can inherit your position, live off the interest, and it's still tax-deferred, all of those things, but they can't just sell out of the trust and get a stepped up basis. So that's one of the downsides. So if think about it. If I'm the IRS, what do I want? Do I want potentially zero chance of getting no money with the stepped up basis or a chance to get some with no stepped up basis? Right. Interesting. That is very interesting. It's, it's very complicated, but I can understand a lot of people out there probably scratching their heads going, what the hell is he talking about? But I think the biggest thing that everyone's going to take away is that there's other options out there besides 1031 exchanges. Mm -hmm. Now, the other question that comes up is timing. Like, oh man, I've been told, I know all about 1031 exchanges. Oh crap, you know, Brett just told me all about this cool thing called DST. You know, how long do you have for you know to to engage with someone like yourself and all the sort of timing and setting up and all yeah. that sort of sort of good stuff. And that's our role, right? So I'm I'm sort of like the offensive coordinator. If you imagine there's a football team, we're all playing, okay? And uh, and maybe it's rugby from where you're from, right? <laughs> uh, and uh, and there's the tax attorney, there's the QI, there's a commercial real estate broker, there's the financial advisor, and they all play a role. And imagine there's a Roman legion, and we all have our shields or the little spears, mm -hmm. right? And we all play our role, and the clients in the middle. And we're, we're trying to keep away the tax from being triggered, okay? So that being said, generally speaking, we, uh, we, we want to engage the client early with the education, okay? We want to enter in a key phrase into the purchase and sale agreement or an addendum on a counter before the buyer removes all contingencies. And the phrase is simply this. Seller has the right to a deferred sales trust or a 1031 exchange and no additional cost to the buyer. Hmm. So you probably already put that in your, in your contracts now, right? Read, yep. seller has the right to a 1031 exchange and no additional cost to the buyer. So it's very common, but we just add or deferred sales trust and that creates a placeholder. Again, it's just an option. The next Better. thing is at close of escrow, we can close on the trust or day 46 or day 181. I'll give you a live example right now. We're helping a gentleman. They're selling a $7.3 million multifamily property outside of Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. They're longtime California residents. 
they don't want to overpay for property. But they did find a nice deal, a nice, a nice development deal. So they're going to take a third, a third, a third. They're going to do a third into the Deferred Sales Trust. They're going to do a third into this 1031 deal. And the other third they're going to do into a little bit of a Delaware because they have what's called a mortgage over basis issue, which is another, another topic. But essentially, it's flexible. You can do one, two, or three, or a mixture of each. And uh, the key is keeping 100% tax deferral. So as long as we have that language in there, and then we have a QI company who will cooperate. We have QI companies who will cooperate and give you both options. But the key here for us is we never get paid unless and when you close the deferred sales trust. So we actually do all of the education, all the tax and legal work. We will prepare you uh, for the option. But if for some reason the deal falls apart, Reed, no problem. If the buyer backs out or you just decide I want to do a 1031, no problem. We, uh, we just want to give you the option. Our best calls are on day one seven. They're like, hey, I'm really glad I put this in here because my deal just fell apart and you're going to save me a million dollars in tax that I would have paid. Those are our favorite calls really because we just added a whole lot of value to them. Interesting. No, it's, it's, I have a client actually who's looking to 1031 out of his deal and we're looking for a deal for him. I don't need to reapproach him and make sure he has that or DST in his purchase and sales and agreement. Deferred sales trust, not to be confused with the Delaware. Yes. A Delaware is just a mutual fund of properties that someone's 1031 into. One, two, or three big corporations. They can, be, they can serve their purpose, but sometimes you're overpaying. There's some really big fees. But, uh, but uh, make sure it says or deferred sales trust. And they're both DSTs, okay? Yep. So the, back to the timing thing. So there's no you know, getting set up on, on boarding with someone like yourself. Um, what's typically the time you know, to get it all happening? So we don't like fire drills. We've done deals in a week. Right. But no one wants to have that stress. Ideally, we're at least 30 days before close of escrow. If buyers have removed all contingencies, okay, and there's no 1031 option, we're going to say, sorry, you're too late. We can't help you. Yep. So it needs to be early, okay, early before the buyer removes all contingencies or it's at a 1031 company. But remember, 1031s are only for investment property. So primary homeowners, which yeah, is a yeah. unique stat for your commercial real estate syndicators. 50% of America's net worth is tied to commercial real estate, high-end primary homes, and private equity. Okay? Yep. And two of those three do not work for a 1031 exchange. Only one does. Okay? So as a syndicator, if you can attract high net worth primary homeowners or business owners, again, we work for businesses, okay, then they can sell, diversify, and invest in commercial real estate. It's a, it's a great tool. So earlier the better. Awesome. And how much is the, uh, what, what, sort of, what are we talking about? Fees, costs, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. What are the fees? So, uh, there's three sets of fees. The first set of fees to our tax attorneys. Um, and when I say are, they're actually, it's called Campbell law. They're out of Kansas city, Missouri. We're, we're separate entities in order to, to make this transaction work. So they're not a part of capital gains tax solutions. They're the creators of the structure. They're really the, the brain surgeons here. Okay. I like to say, Reed, I'm just the nurse and I'm just checking you in maybe for surgery. And before you get surgery, make sure you have your CPA, your tax attorney, who are the brain surgeons, talk with, talk with the uh, brain surgeons of the trust, and then connect if it works for you. That being said, they charge 1.5% on the first million, and then 1.25% on anything above that. That includes the legal and tax structure and also audit defense for the life that, of the that trust. Pay, that's paid out in one lump sum in the beginning? or One-time fee right at close of escrow. Yep, got right it. at close, close of the trust, as long as they're moving the funds into the trust. Remember, they only get right. paid if they close the trust. The second set of fees is a recurring ongoing fee. 
Uh, it happens at close of the trust. It's to my company as the trustee. It's a half of 1%. So it's 50 basis points on the proceeds into the trust. Mm-hmm. And then once a year, that's going to get, it's going to pay that. The next fee is to our financial advisor. Typically they, now I'll say ours, it's any financial advisor. You can hire your own as long as they sign up with the estate planning team. But generally they're going to charge somewhere around 1%. Got it. So we like to say is most of our notes earn eight and after fees, they net the client six and a half. Okay. Mm-hmm. But the first thing to understand is what is your tax liability? We always start there and we have a deferred sales trust calculator. You can see a side by side comparison. Um, but essentially let's just say that one deal you were selling for 10 million read. Let's say your tax was 3.7 million, 37%. So that's a fee. So yep. we always start with that. Hey, you can pay that fee and it's gone forever or you can pay these incremental fees and hopefully out earn uh, what you would have paid. And we, we have the rule of 72, which kicks in, which says if I can earn 7% on any given amount over a 10 year period, that amount will double. So hypothetically, Reed, if you had 10 million in there and you let after fees, it was earning seven. If you let it just compound in 10 years, that 10 million becomes 20 million. Right. Right. So that's the idea. That's the same reason you do 1031 exchanges. Now, if you want to go into commercial real estate, it's the last part of the fees here. You can direct that 8 million out or 1 million out, whatever. Whatever amount you direct out, the advisor is no longer managing that money, right? So and just, financial- just, when you, just, to, just to clarify, when you direct out, you mean you've taken a portion of the DST, the money in that the deferred sales trust, to go and buy something else, correct? Yeah, you direct it to an LLC, a brand new yeah. LLC. That owns the entity. Reads the managing member of or another another uh, group has a deal, right? And uh, it's still an investment and it's still tax deferred versus I have to say cashing out. But by the way, you can slowly cash out of the trust too and just pay the tax in the given year, which some clients will do. They'll just take small portions along the way and pay incremental tax, you know, because the tax is, 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 is deferred and it's owed once you take, take receipt of it. So, it. so it's flexible in that manner too if you have a liquidity event or you, want, you need some money. Now, but not when I invest, not when I buy or invest into a syndication. Well, right, because now you have to sell that deal first, get the cash back into the trust, and then cash out. So if you really right. want liquidity, we would encourage folks just to stay with their financial advisor, where they could, you know, we call it trade plus three. Within four days, uh, a distribution of uh, could be sent to you um, on, on the on the on the funds there. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. So so finishing the thought on investing in commercial real estate, so I can direct those funds out. So pros and cons there. When I direct them out, I don't have to pay that 1% anymore, but the trustee fee doubles from 50 basis points to 1%. Got it, okay. Okay. So you go from paying one and a half to one, and and then if you want, and then the trustee must be able to make a profit, okay? So to make a profit, we, uh, uh, there's an option agreement. It's just a little bit complex, but essentially, they can buy an option agreement up front that wipes out 98% of the upside and gives that all back to you read the note holder. And that would be for a five-year term, it's 0.75. And for a 10-year term, it's 1.5. All that being said, just go to my website, Capital Gains Tax Solutions, click on Frequently Asked Questions, and our fees are all just laid out there for you. I, would love, I think the, the other big thing here is also, and we'll, get, we'll, we'll summarize it in the show, but where do people go to obviously your website to learn more? Maybe because I think this, I'm a very much a visual guy and I'm sure a lot of people listening out there like want to see it on paper, right? They want to see mm-hmm. arrows and all that yes. sort of stuff. So 
Me too. You said you had a calculator. So is that all up on your website? Yeah. So we have lots of educational opportunities. So the first one is we, we like to always start people with is what's called our deferred sales trust freedom from capital gains tax presentation. Okay. And it walks through a lot of what we've talked about visually. Um, and you, it's totally free. Just email me and I'll send it to you. Uh, but it's going to talk about how it works, why it's legal, what's the situation facing the baby boomers with the $17 trillion of wealth that's transferring. Um, what are the fees? Um, all of those things showing you how to go back into commercial real estate. So if you just send that to me, watch that for an hour, you're going to have the, a lot of the foundation. The next thing is our YouTube channel. So I try to take three to five minute videos and, and then just tackle, you know, the most frequently asked questions. Um, and so you can go to our YouTube channel. Um, and then our deferred sales trust calculator. Again, you answer 12 questions on your deal. Um, and that's my DST, uh, uh, plan.com forward slash tax solutions. You, you put that on, uh, you put your, you answer 12 questions. It's going to give a side by side comparison of pay the tax or do a deferred sales trust. Got it. Okay. So mydst.com forward slash tax solutions. Is that right? Yes. Well, mate, you've been extremely uh, knowledgeable about the DST. It's been a bombardment. It's like turning on the fire hose and I'm just like being smacked in the face with all this information. Uh, I will need to go off and do a little bit more research on myself. Um, but, uh, you know, I also want to be very respectful of your time. So are you ready to dive into the top five investing tips? Let's go. All right, mate, what is the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Yeah, I'd say the daily, you know, I read the Milk of Morning a few years ago and I've tried to implement, you know, prayer meditation, um, you know, uh, writing down and seeing my goals. And then kind of more of the weekly ones, you know, working out five days a week that helps to take the stress away and help me to, uh, to, to, to recharge. Um, that would be, I would say the most daily one besides church on the weekends. Awesome. Um, who is the most influential person in your career today? So my business career, I, I it's kind of a mix between, um, I, I have to say sports. The first thing I had, a, I had a couple, couple key coaches, football coach and, and basketball coach. And that really helped propel my business career. Um, one in particular was at Point Loma in San Diego. He played with Coach K at Army back in his college days. And uh, he was just a phenomenal uh, leader, um, uh, full of energy and life, and just a tactician when it came to uh, building a team and teaching the game of basketball. Uh, his name was Art Wilmore. The second one would have to be my first manager in college at Marcus and Millichap, Bob Hicks. He really believed in me, encouraged me. You know, I always like to say I'm the, I'm the tortoise, not the hare. You know, I started, you know, it takes me a while to get something, but once I get it, I move pretty quick with it. Um, and he just always believed in me, even when the market just took a dive. I mean, I started in 07 when I graduated, really, and then the market, you know, fell off a cliff, and, and I still stuck in it, and I just learned so much, and he believed in me and it helped and coached me along, so I'd have to give him that credit. Awesome. Who has been also, what is the most influential tool in your real estate business today, whether it be software or hardware related? Yeah, I would say my, my CRM, right? So I use yep. HubSpot as a way to communicate and to, to streamline um, really everything that I do constantly with my team and myself. We, with templates, with snippets, with, um, with uh, tracking and uh, emails. I mean, it's just really just a nice uh, tool that I use every day. Awesome, awesome, man. Uh, in one sentence, what has been the biggest failure in your career to date and what did you learn from that failure? Wow, so I have to say the biggest failure, 
would be, you know, my first, if people see, people see success and they see, you know, when someone's succeeding now in a high market after, after being in the business for 13 years, but the biggest failure was probably the first five years when things were just, you know, hit the fan and I literally was making next to, to zero on some years. And, and, and a lot of the family was saying, what are you doing? Go get a real job. You know, um, you have a baby on the way, you know, how are you going to afford healthcare? You know, we were living with my brother in his, uh, his condo. And this is in Rockland. It was, it was my wife and I and child. My wife always believed in what we were doing. And I, I just had a passion for, for, for commercial real estate, for the competition. I just loved the business, you know, and I just stuck in it. But I, I guess I would say in one sense, it was a failure because I didn't necessarily produce the, the income that we wanted those first few years. But I was working Cheesecake Factory on the side. I was working basketball tournaments, whatever it took to keep her home with, with, our, with our, uh, our baby daughter at the time. And um, it was part of the journey. So I don't know. I guess that would be the, the hardest one that I, I, I say we went through. But um, you haven't given up, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, look, Brett, um, where can people reach you to continue the conversation? There's a lot of information in today's show. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you just reiterate that or restate those uh, websites? Absolutely. So, you know, Bigger Pockets, LinkedIn, YouTube are the main ones. You can search Capital Gains Tax Solutions. And then you can just go to our website, capitalgainstaxsolutions.com, and uh, you, can, you can book a free consultation with me personally. Uh, you can get access to the free webinar and our other tools on the Deferred Sales Trust. That's awesome, man. Well, look, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your day to, to, to you know, jump on the show. Some of the big takeaways that I guess I'm learning from today is that there's so many opportunities out there to defer your taxes and not just understanding just what 1031 exchange means. It really understand the difference between the two of them and how you can maximize really not pay any taxes. And I think that, that, that calculator, I'm pretty intrigued to go out my, over myself and give it a, give it a whirl. So, uh, um, but is there any last, last comments before we, we break here on, you know, people advice to people when they're looking into DSTs? Yeah, we just have a saying around here. It goes like this. Most of our clients like to pay this tax the second day to never, you know, <laughs> so just develop your plan and your contingency plan for a failed 1031 or a backup plan. And imagine not knowing about the 1031 exchange. Imagine it was 1980s, right. 90s, and you were just kind of hearing about it and you were kind of skeptical of it and you weren't sure and would it work. But then you learned it and then all of a sudden you felt empowered to build your wealth and, and defer taxes and buy more property. Well, we want to we wanna help you feel comfortable with that and empower you with the tool so you can use it to, to uh, create and preserve more wealth, serve your, your clients or, um, or help your business partners. So that's, that's what we're all about. Awesome, man. Well, look, thank you so much for jumping on the show today. Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll catch up soon. Thanks, Reed. My pleasure. Well, there you have another cracking episode jam-packed with some really incredible advice and and, uh, actionable steps to go out and really understand the differences between 1031 and DSTs. If you do have any questions for Brett, please do jump over on his website and all the links from today's show will be up on the show notes at my website at readgooses.com. Make sure you hit up Brett if you are in a situation that that you're trying to determine if 1031 or a DST will work for you. I want to thank you again for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your financial IQ because that is what we're all about here on this show and we're going to do it all next we're going to do it all again next week I should say so be bold be brave remember go give life a crack